0: is so damned important that you get into starfleet why are you doing this because i don't want to end up like my father your father that's right my father he's been chasing profit his whole life and what has it gotten him nothing and you know why he doesn't have the lobes and neither do I and a Ferengi without profit is no Ferengi at all the 18th rule of acquisition Chief engineer of a starship if he'd had the opportunity but he went into business like a good Ferengi the only thing is he's not a good Ferengi not when it comes to acquiring profit so now all he has to live for is the slim chance that someday somehow he might be able to take over my uncle's bar well I'm not going to make the same mistake I want to do something with my life, something worthwhile. Like joining Starfleet. I may not have an instinct for business, but I have my father's hands and my uncle's tenacity. I know I've got something to offer. I just need the chance to prove it. see that you get that chance. You're going to recommend me to Starfleet Academy? (laughs) I'll send a letter the first thing tomorrow morning.
1: Broadcasting from the banks of the Great River, as we bid farewell to one of Trek's brightest lights, this is Politrex. The time
2: directive, the declarations of human rights, the
0: united federation of planets, the I do. the the
1: Welcome, everyone, to Polytrex. We are a proud member of the Trek Geeks Network, and here on Polytrex, we like to look at the socio political happenings of today and in history through the episodes, movies, and philosophy of Trek. We stand, as I had mentioned earlier at the beginning of the episode, on the banks of the Great River today, because we are seeing off a dear and wonderful human being who we were lucky to count as one of our own in the family of Trek, and when I say in the family of Trek, he truly was a beautiful light at the, uh, at the darkest times, and uh, of course with me is a fellow family member, the often imitated, never replicated Mr. Shashankovaru, How are you doing today, Shachank?
2: I'm good, my fellow family member, spirit brother. How are you doing?
1: Well, I'm good. Of course, uh, we're talking today about the passing of Mr. Aaron Eisenberg, who played Nog and several other characters, uh, actually, in uh, in Star Trek, and is someone who was even more memorable and made memorable by his action and um, amazing spirit beyond Star Trek Deep Space 9 and uh definitely was uh, a fan of uh, a man of the people and uh he was down there with his fans a lot. How are you there Shashank? How are you today? How are you feeling?
2: It's a weird day. When I started my weekend I had a lot planned but never in my wildest of nightmares could I imagine. Oh, we'll be recording this episode in memoriam of Nog and Aaron Eisenberg.
1: Yeah, I, I, you know, here here we're kind of running our way through all of the uh, Star Trek movies, looking at the Politrex of them. And we've got a couple other things coming sort of down the pipe nice and slow, of course, with me being an educator and Shashank having a full-time job as well. We're always having a little bit of trouble keeping up with our schedule, but um, this just seemed too important. We are recording day of... Um, and so, when this will release will depend on how busy my week is. But um, yeah, it's still kind of pretty fresh in our minds. But I think it's just an appropriate time for us to muse and think about Mr. Aaron Eisenberg. So we're going to be missing the news today. There is a lot happening. Maybe we'll uh, we'll do a little bit more posting of news items on the Twitter feed for the week. How about
2: that? Sounds good to me. It it just felt like normally we are not a show that has a huge emphasis on structure anyway but this episode will just definitely be two fans talking about a beloved character and the actor behind that character and how much that they both mean to us so it just nothing today is more important than honoring and paying tribute to Aaron Eisenberg for for the ones with keener eyes they've I'm sure they've noticed that our network also has their website down and we will do for a while they have an in memoriam page up for aaron so things are pretty pretty grim but that we are here to express that and talk about it and celebrate his life
1: yeah it's important to acknowledge the fact that you know we do lose we do lose people from trek a lot um sometimes they're in the producing role sometimes they're in the writing role um, and not to take that away, of course, we we lost Peter Allen Fields, just uh, just a little while ago, and um,
2: we lost Jack Donner today, who played Tall in the original series.
1: Yeah, yeah, he was a Romulan, wasn't he? Yeah. Yeah, and so I mean we are we are missing other people, but uh, Aaron Aaron was pretty special to to Shashank and me, and so we're hoping that those of you who are listening either found that same thing, or maybe by the end of this episode he'll be a little more special to you because um, we we get to carry Nog on now in our hearts, and I think that's that's a that's a big thing, and I'm I'm going to be calling to action a few things here, and just going to be saying some of the things I'm going to do in memory of both Nog and of Mister Aaron I. So let's start. Uh, start maybe just with um, maybe your first impressions of Nog when you when you first saw him. What'd you think?
2: Yeah, that seems a good place to start. I bet when they started Nog off, he was nothing more than the supporting character to arguably another supporting character as in in the world of Jake. And Jake is definitely, he's a big part of the show, but he's not as big as, you know, some of the bigger stories out there. There's an important story there, but he felt like a supporting actor for a supporting actor when the show started. But when season two comes in and things start happening, when you just see the way the Ferengis are changing in general, the way Rom starts to take charge of his life and Quark... Starts doing some nefarious things. And Nog, on the other hand, is just so inspired. He wants to be the first Ferengi in Starfleet. That's when he really pops. And that was, I'm assuming, by design. uh, Maybe that was just a card they had hidden back until they could throw that out and really have it have an impact. But the fact that he goes from this kid who is running around the halls in the promenade causing trouble to just becoming one of the pioneers in the history of Starfleet. And also as an actor, the chops come out when he starts showing his metal and testing himself. Uh Aaron, I mean, so those first impressions to me seem like they formed at two different places. In the beginning, it was just fun, harmless, you know, cutesy 90s child TV show stuff. And then when the Starfleet stuff comes in, it's like, oh, that's where they're going with this guy. And that that really has a punch to it. What about you? I like
1: Nog right from the beginning. He he fits Cisco really, really well. You could tell that the two actors, of course, at the time, I didn't know their names or anything like that. You could tell that there was a lot of chemistry between them. I actually am one of the people who didn't know the difference in age between Siroc Lofton and Aaron Eisenberg. And it was a little bit jarring to find that out sort of midway through the season. But, um, It's something interesting about character actors like Aaron Eisenberg and the way he was able to embody that character of Nog and the elements that he put forth, you know, he could have gone in so many directions. And I I really feel like, like much of these sort of supporting characters on Deep Space Nine, a lot of really good talent was constantly sort of put on retainer. Like, you've got Andy Robinson, right? Who, like, what, how many episodes was, was Garrick in? Like, 37 or something like that, I remember. You've got Armin Shimmerman, right, who who does have a bit more of a supporting role, and he is a little more constantly showing up. But other characters, you know, Casey Biggs' Damar coming and going. Um, You've, you know, Kai Wynn, All of these, like, extremely talented actors putting their heart and souls into sort of, like, kind of their characters, right? Like, they're not there all the time. Marco Limo, another one, right? Just these these amazingly good actors who, yeah, they, they built this amazing foundation for the other actors to build off of. They, they sort of created a texture with the entirety of the story. And Aaron Eisenberg, I think, much like uh, a few of these other actors who sort of came and went, and some, some of them stayed, I think nog was sort of there as sort of like movable scenery at the beginning or at least that might have been sort of the original thought as they were building the other characters but the way aaron was able to characterize nog himself the way he was able to portray him and i think inject a lot of himself into the the character of nog i mean it's so very apparent and and long before we got to know aaron post ds9 you could really feel that um It wasn't until the show was in syndication that I knew he was born with the kidney ailments he did. Of course, he was born with one kidney. And, um, you know, that definitely hampered his quality of life quite a bit. And I think back to, and and this is maybe going forward into some of the rest of the episode later, but I think back to the scene where he is talking with uh, James Darren's character, Vic, in um, It's Only a Paper Moon, and he's talking about being afraid of dying. And I can't help but think, even just somewhat, that might be Aaron telling us that as well, because, you know, with kidney disease, things can go really bad really fast. And it, it, you know, it must be a very scary feeling, a very fearful feeling to live like that. But, um, it must've been very scary for Nog to have gone through the, the siege of AR, um, five, five, eight versus, um, you know, having to live with his missing leg after that, his his character just comes to life when he joins Starfleet near Rishank. Right, that's that's definitely what happens. So, kind of in my meandering conversation here about about Nog, I always kind of liked him, and then I started to kind of love him, and by the end of it, he really and truly was a paragon of Trek canon for sure. And that was, I, I mean, I attribute that to the writers, but I really do attribute that to uh, Aaron Eisenberg's ability to characterize such an individual.
2: It looks like Aaron Eisenberg, the actor, was born on January sixth, nineteen sixty-nine. So he was fifty when he passed away, and I I was able to piece together some parts of his life from various videos and things that were posted about him online. He was obviously a very open person. He always seemed uh, to not shy away from talking about his life. So one of the interesting things is he was born in Hollywood, but was adopted. Uh, after he was born and he was born with one kidney and that was the reason why he was small as he likes to say Uh, and the problem was not only was that he he was born with one kidney he was born with a defective kidney and that caused issues in his life right from the beginning and uh, he has had two transplants over the course of his life and that he talks very emotionally about how He would not have gotten to live as long as he did had it not been for these people who, in forms, wrote down, oh, I would like to donate my organs after I pass away. So uh, I know you have some information about that, too, that uh, you wanted to share. I, I feel like when you're born with something like that, how can you not be grateful to be alive and not do your best to have an impact in the world? And that, that makes complete sense to me that he took on the life of a performer. And we, we are fortunate as TV viewers that we got to experience him and see his story. And part of it playing out the way it did, like, if you think about it, Nog's and Aaron's lives have very similar trajectories. They're both characters that are born with one strike against them. As soon as people see Ferengis, they judge them by their lobes, not by who they are. And Rom and Nog are two very big examples of how why you shouldn't judge people or aliens based on their appearance. The fact that they aspire to be something more than what was expected of their culture, what was expected of their circumstances. If you look at Aaron's story from... A child who is adopted with one kidney, born with a physical deformity, and going on to entertain hundreds of millions of people over the course of his life. To you, you look at Aaron's, uh, you look at Nog's story. I'm sorry, from going to being from from being a Ferengi troublemaker, running around the halls of the Promenade to becoming the first Ferengi in Starfleet. Now that if you think about it, it's it's eerily intriguing how similar their lives panned out and. I'm sure part of that was by design from the writers and from Aaron. And it's just another example of why people should not sleep on the Ferengis and how they continue to unravel and provide these new and distinct layers, decades after the show has ended.
1: So yeah, it's crazy the fact that um, Aaron and his, his wife Melissa were out on the 19th of September, I think it would have been just a few days ago, and there's pictures of them with uh, the illustrious, Mr. Larry Nemichuk. shout out Larry, um, Doug Jones, uh, an amazing character who, uh, if you folks get the chance, uh, hop over to Dan and Bill's latest episode, What I Learned from Saru. It's uh, it's definitely not um, one that's going to you know be super lighthearted, and I know we're kind of heavy today too, but uh, definitely check that one out. And then Nicole DeBoer, I see, is there as well. So... I don't know for for what it's worth, you know, you and I were talking so much about getting to see the people we love in Trek. And, you know, you'd mentioned you'd spoken to Aaron um, in the past and I missed him. I, I walked by him like four or five times in the vendor's room and just uh, kind of in, you know, in and about the convention this year. And missing him, you know, not actually saying hi. I mean, I gave him a few waves. I gave him a smile and a nod, and he nodded back. I recall that. But And then the craziest part, actually, just sort of continuing on with this, maybe a bit of a rant, but uh, when Bill, Dan, and a number of our very dear friends were sitting down for breakfast, he was actually sitting next to us with his family, and we decided to leave him alone because, you know, guy wants to have his breakfast in peace, right? And now I'm like, damn, <laughs> I should I should have gotten up and done done something there. I should have gone up and said hello. But I think it just underscores how important it is that um, your lasting moments with people might be your last moments and make sure that you, you make the most of them. So just kind of knowing that Aaron was out seeing people who cared about him, who he cared for, you know, we, we do go on about how just amazing our Star Trek family truly is. And that that does make it right to the people who are actually creating creating the show, they are a part of that family as well, and as much as there is a bit of stratification to a degree, it's it's definitely a lot more fuzzy and blurry and slushy. The idea that I can give, uh, you know, do the fist bump to Ira Steven Bear, a guy who wrote a lot of these shows that Aaron Sean sh- in, uh, says quite a bit. So,
2: I'm sad. I'm really sad. And that's okay. That's what today's show is about, is expressing that sadness and hopefully finding the good which there is a lot of and the bad which there is very little of uh, out of the whole situation and doing our best to express how much we love nog I actually
1: wouldn't mind just quickly do- dropping into the concept of organ donation um, and and sort of the the trek outlook of that and and what that would kind of mean and uh, the first thing I want to think about is is sort of a reverse organ donation or maybe the ultimate organ donation and that is the trills I was thinking about when Riker had to take um take that trill into his body, right he he had to actually live with that, and he was going through these sort of rejections and and really having a hard time holding on to uh, to Odin, I believe was his name and and just what that meant for him um to give his body. To another being, to to give the gift of life, right? Um, I think about giving blood and giving your organs. I'm, you know, I, I not to toot my own horn or anything, but I do have on my driver's license the the thing that says that I have signed off all of my organs to medical needs, right? If someone needs an organ, if someone needs something of mine that could make their life better, um, then go ahead. And I think about the people, you know, the two people definitely who who. Sure. Do you mind if I just keep talking? I'll, I'll wait. Yeah. See, so, yeah, what I'm kind of getting at is not to toot my own horn, but I I do have the the organ donor thing at the at the bottom of my driver's license. So parts of my body can be used by by science and and by the medical community should they need it to improve someone else's life. And I think about the donors who, I did actually manage to find the name of one, but I've actually made the judgment call not to say their name, just out of respect for them and their family. I don't know if that's something their family wants known. Um, But just thinking about all of the people who walk about this world being given blood or being given an organ so that they can live longer, so that they can be with their family longer, that they can be with their friends, that they can enjoy things, life itself. 50 years is not long enough by any stretch of the imagination for a human being. But the fact that he got fifty years is is great, and the fact that he was able to touch so many hearts and inspire so many people and be a real beacon of of light and hope and and kindness and empathy is uh, is a really wonderful thing. So, I don't know, Shashank, um, is 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 organ donation something that that has crossed your mind? Are you are you an organ donor yourself? What 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 are your thoughts there?
2: I would like to be. Uh, unfortunately, not being a citizen means I cannot give such such rights away when I die, because hmm. there are all kinds of international laws that come in once you pass away in a country that might not be your country of origin. And I, I am a certified organ donor, let's say if I passed away in India. But if I passed away here, so many laws would come in based on the way I died, like what age I was, where I'm from. Yeah. And what stage of my visa I'm on—it's just—it's—it's a—it's—it's it's a pretty big, complicated situation. But I definitely think organ donation saves lives. I'm in awe of people who can who can do that. And honestly, I'm not trying to say this to be funny, but you don't have any use of your body once you pass away. So yeah, like why why not do this incredibly wonderful thing, right?
1: Absolutely. And I think about Star Trek itself. I mean, you know, they can heal. Organs so easily with with all of the the gadgets and technology that they have in that time, and I'm reminded of um would have been search for spa no. Um, the voyage home, sorry, yeah, it would have been the voyage home where McCoy is in that hospital and he fixes that guy's diabetes in like three seconds. It's like, what is this, the Middle Ages? And I'm like, Yeah, yeah, bones, you're right, it is. But, you know, even even still like the medical advancement that we have in the medical community itself, the doctors, the nurses, the frontline staff, the, the people who are are, you know, keeping that place clean, the janitorial staff, it, it is there are so many people who are dedicated to care in our society, and I I wish they were were better compensated and and more venerated in our society. Of course, my brother um, has very severe cerebral palsy and epilepsy and has had it all his life, and he's nearing the age of 41 now, which is unprecedented for someone of his operational level you know he's had no he's had pneumonia and everything but it is modern medicine and, and in my part of the world um the fact that uh, healthcare health care is deemed a, a human right that uh, should not come at a cost um of course is is also something that has ensured that not only has my brother's quality of life been as good as it possibly can but it also has not bankrupted my entire family which is always very important
2: i think what comes out of all this is really a celebration of people's lives but also consideration and a greater understanding of people that are different from who we are be it you know race which is a different topic for a different day but the fact that Aaron had that physical deformity and that did not let him stop himself you know so for someone like that somebody who was born with one and also a defective kidney it's it's easy to to give up on, say, not doing everything you can in life. But Aaron took it the other way around, and he actually turned it into a blessing. And I'm sorry for saying this, all you TNG lovers, but the amount of things that had to come together for Nog to shine the way he did, with TNG introducing Ferengis, but completely turning them into a joke, and then... Ira Stephen Bear and team taking let's let's face it, what are outcasts? What are rejects? And they said, "Oh, we'll make something interesting out of it." And not only did that turn into giving us a main Firangi in the form of Quark, who had so many layers to himself, but giving us Rom and then Nog, who have just their own interesting heroic journeys. It's miraculous in itself that that story came together to tell the story of someone. That would compel the cast of an internationally renowned TV show to hire someone with a physical deformity.
1: That's because Aaron was capable of so much greater than any size could you could say, right? He is such a larger-than-life character and such an amazing human being. I mean, you and I, you and I watched the Ferengi stage show at the convention last year at Star Trek Las Vegas. And watching Max Gerdanchik, watching Aaron Eisenberg,
2: which which be if if we're being honest you weren't that enthusiastic about
1: not initially you're absolutely right but once Matt, max max started talking about how rom is the man he wished he could be and nog being just so genuine i don't know you know it, it is true you're right maybe it's the the tng in me that sort of throw like kind of sets the frangi aside i was also quite sick by that point as well in my defense but um the entire rehabilitation job that is done by the characters of Quark, Rom, and Nog is is really something to to behold. And being a part of that that trio, Aaron definitely definitely did an amazing job. As Nog was growing up as a boy, you do see this sort of aspirational Ferengi child who only has one friend, but he's yeah he's looking for trouble, all this sort of stuff. Kind of run of the mill, it almost seems. But later, as you see him develop and grow, you see him, you're right, pushing beyond the barriers that his own culture has and, and really bumping up against it. Meanwhile, Quark kind of plays this anti-hero who, at the same time, is still part of the criticism that I think that the Ferengi are trying to pose as a, you know, sort of as a foil to our perception of free market and capitalism and everything like that. You, you see Quark's awesome sort of anti heroish Sort of connector, and then of course Rom turns Franginar into a social democracy, which is amazing. And so those three huge character transitions. You're right. The the Frangi, much like I think Nog himself, was sort of just kind of put there to support a show and then eventually they found something to do with them because they had so much potential and so much amazing stories that could come out of them and they chose three fantastic actors to be at the at the vanguard of the new way of looking at and understanding the Ferengi in general just the the fact that you know the, these characters really loved their characters too, right? I mean, for for Max and Aaron to get back into their makeup and and Armin to do it as well from time to time is a real testament to just how much and how important these characters are to these individuals themselves. So I just think as as a member of the Trek family for increasing and building and enriching the the lore that is the Ferengi themselves, we owe a lot of people, including Aaron especially, uh, a lot of our, our accolade for such a wonderful thing.
2: So, I have a couple of Aaron Eisenberg encounter stories to share. Yeah, I of to them because I have none. <laughs> <laughs> Both of them are from Star Trek Las Vegas 2018. My first one is actually, again, it's so many things just happening out of coincidence. My uh, friend, one of my closest friends, Regan Fox, who's a listener of the show. Hey, Rian. She shout was at out. the Yeah, shout out. Uh, she's one of our champion cheerleaders for the show, which means the universe to me. So, it's uh she she was at the Garrett Wang booth last year. It's just she was volunteering for him, I think, or just helping him yeah. uh sell some of his pictures and stuff and I just went there and I spent about I want to say 45 minutes to an hour just hanging out with her and Garrett and there it was just nice seeing people come up and talking to Garrett and telling them how much he means to them. It's it, it was uh it was a very pleasant Fulfilling experience because you have an experience with these actors. I would like to think I'm any blessed in my life to not have some of the things that people have, like the things that Aaron had, and some of the things that people went through when they came to talk to Garrett. And so it was just nice just standing there watching them for 45 minutes to an hour, people coming up and listening to these stories. And so we were in this booth, which is at the corner of that big uh, vendor hall. And out of nowhere, I swear nobody saw him coming. Aaron just pops out and gives uh, Garrett just a jump scare from behind. (laughs) Garrett, he's shocked for a second, uh, but then they start talking. And they are both trading these very happy, very PG-friendly insults at each other. And we are in the midst watching these two people that are icons in Star Trek just making fun of each other, just jabbing at each other. And then 10 minutes later, we're all around them. So they're looking at us making those jokes. And (laughs) Aaron is standing in front of Garrett's desk uh, at the booth. And they're they're making these jokes. One person without thinking just comes up. And says to Aaron, oh, you're the best character in Star Trek. You were the greatest. And Aaron just looks at Garrett and gives him this look of, see, just what just happened. And <laughs> it, was, it was just this very friendly, competitive spirit that they both had. And luckily, as soon as that happened, Garrett and Aaron said, hey, we are, we're there were five or six of us. And he said, hey, we're going down to do our panel. Do you guys want to come join us? With the five or six of us, it, most of us didn't know what they were talking about. We we're like, wait, these guys do a panel? They're not on a podcast? I mean, I, that was like, it, just, it seems like a very unlikely pairing, right? Is yeah. it from different shows and there was no context there. So he said, well, yeah, sure. I mean, they're calling us. Of course, we should go and sit down. Turns out we went to the CBS All Access stage. This is it the back, you know, the, the small stage? Yeah. And we went there and I swear they had a 45 minute panel. The second we sat down, to the minute we left, it was just laugh after laugh after laugh. And they were belly laughs. Like they were impersonating people. They were making fun of their characters. They were making fun of people who were talking to them. They were sharing experiences. It was just, Aaron seemed like a person who always had a joke at the back of their mind. Those are some of my favorite people. are People who want to make everything into just a cheerful, happy-go-lucky funny experience but uh while i now that i've shared my story i don't want this to just be all about me and my experience maybe you should tell people more about that ferengi panel that we attended at starter Las vegas and who was the insightful intelligent person that convinced you to come to that panel well, that was you. Oh, <laughs> so, really? No, thank yeah. you.
1: That's that's a pretty simple a simple bit of the story <laughs> where where Shashank looked at me and said Barry, and I said yeah, and he said come to the Ferengi panel with me, and I went. Okay. And I don't know. I think I was hungry. I I Oh, I remember what was happening at that exact moment thinking about it. Um I had taken some American cold medication which has ingredients that Canadians do not or and would not have any exposure to. So my reaction to the medication was a lot a lot more Intense, I think. Then you know, had my body gotten used to it over time, um, at least that's what my friend Chris uh, ended up telling me, because uh, he actually has knowledge in the world of medicine. But I think maybe just because you have this personal story, and I don't have any, I might direct people who are on my end of the uh, of this of the equation here. If you get a chance, we've retweeted a uh, an interview from STLV this year that a friend of ours, uh, Heather, ended up having. Uh, Heather Ferris is her name. She does some really great, very candid and in earnest very very candid earnest and, and just charming interviews with a lot of the uh, a lot of the cast of um, of Star Trek. yeah, just kind of an independent. Small-time re- reporter who's got some really great, uh, really great interviews. She she interviews him, and you can just tell that they're they're friends. You can tell that that they've got a good rapport with one another. Um, they're very very friendly and kind with one another. And something really neat about Aaron that I found out just by watching that that interview is in fact he's he was quite the avid photographer and i think about the outside of of deep space nine lives that all of these actors must live every every star trek actor must do something else when their time is done with star trek and of course that happens beforehand but it was really really interesting getting to see him talk about things that he's also passionate about and and that's kind of where i'm moving in the direction of here is 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 sort of looking at this guy from who he shared with us right that the person who he shared with us his his personal self we leave to his family and his closest friends but the public self that he gave to us was, of course, a lot of awareness in in you know kidney disease foundation uh, work. But um, his photography was really really something. I've actually gone through the website. It um, it has a lot of really nice, very poignant, a lot of really good dimensions. He's really good at uh, capturing sort of frame. He's really good at framing his images and um, and finding some really good techniques. But he he talked to her about it, and I ended up checking his blog post where he he talked about the. The picture that he showed her, it was sort of a tree between two mountains and a sunrise or sunset, I'm assuming sunset, and um, just how beautiful it was. It was in um, the Simi Valley, California, kind of near to where he lived, I believe. And um, yeah, he said here, he's got this picture up on his website where he says, this is where it began for me on December 24th 2011 for years I've been driving past this tree on the mountainside and I kept telling myself someday someday I'll hike up there and take a picture of the lonely tree all by itself on the side of the mountain well someday finally came and I decided to hike up there and get my photo well I set out to go around sunset and when I got back in the hills I had the good fortune to see the photo here It was a completely different perspective for me than I had been seeing for years driving by. This was the day that kind of re-inspired me to pursue photography a bit more. Since then, I've developed my craft a bit more, finding the things in life that I find beautiful to capture, to continue work on my craft, build my business, and become a successful photographer. I have so much to learn and continue to learn all of the time from my experiences." I've had the good fortune to travel to unique places and capture the beauty that I experience. I find it very interesting how we always say someday, and sometimes that day never comes, for one reason or another. I want to share with you how making that choice to do what you keep putting off to someday can change your perspective and change the direction of your life, if only just a bit. Sometimes a small bit can make a huge difference. I hope you enjoy the picture and the story behind it. Aaron. So... I think about my some days, because Aaron was a someday, and now he isn't, he can't be forever. I think looking at that and the passions I have, I someday a podcast for a while and I went for it and it's completely changed my life. I someday going to university for three years before going there. Um, I've someday a lot of things and I want to stop doing that as much. Now, sometimes there are prohibitive elements, right? We, uh, we need money to go places and do things in some cases but that you can tell he was able to find beauty in a lot of things um things that we may pass by and think someday too so yeah this was a really great great way to um to get to know him better it's so sad that that here here we had to wait for his passing on my end but um yeah this was something that i just wanted to kind of start with
2: thank you for sharing that for our listeners, do you want to tell them what the website is for his photography?
1: Yeah, the the you, if you just look up Aaron A R O N new word Scott S C O T T and then the word photography, it'll be the first on your list, and it's got stuff from from everywhere. He's got he's got bands, he's got landscapes, he's got travel places, he's got sort of very delightful miscellanei, I'd like to call it like there's one that it's just burning embers. And for whatever reason, I've just been fascinated by it when I've been looking at it. So definitely check it out. And you can see the picture he was talking about the tree in the distance of the Simi Valley, there's uh, there really is a, a powerfulness to that imagery. Just the lone tree kind of among the grass as the sun is is setting into the twilight. He sort of captures the liminal really, really well. He's literally on the edge of twilight. Maybe someone with certain ailments that could be life-threatening, and there's so many different ones that people could have. A lot of people do kind of live on that edge of twilight, and maybe some of us, without knowing of course, tragedies and such things do happen, maybe we all kind of live on the edge of twilight to a degree. And here was his Representation of it, which which I think was really amazing. I think we have to be really thankful for the things that we have in the time we have, because we never know how close we are to that edge of twilight.
2: Here are a few incredible things that happened, just in case people might not know how much of an impact Aaron and Nog and Deep Space Nine has had within hours of his death or the announcement of his death. His, his name started trending on Twitter, which is beautiful, but then ultimately not as important as Melissa, who is Garrett's wife. Also, with the blessing of Melissa, another Melissa, who is Aaron's wife, she started a GoFundMe to help Aaron's Melissa cover herself and be protected for all the funeral costs that are going to come in. One of the most expensive things in America, I don't know what it's like in Canada, is just the funeral process. And what they go through with that. So they started to GoFundMe. And I believe it's already 125% funded. So there was a $10,000 goal. And it's now up to 12500 or 13000 So uh, also Deep Space Nine was trending. And Deep Space Nine was trending not just on social media. But it was trending on streaming channels like Amazon Prime and Netflix. Showing that people were watching it. In his honour, presumably. Just the impact that this show has had, just in case anybody has forgotten, and the impact that Nog has had, you know, it's there. And there are people who still to this day, there's a reason why these people show up at conventions, even after all this time has passed, with the show coming and ending is there are people who continue to discover it, people who have gone back, people who might have slept on it that have discovered it again, and... It's just it's such a big Venn diagram of people they're covering, and Absolutely. everybody is being covered, and uh, everybody has felt some kind of impact from what has happened. You
1: know, you you look at at his tweets, and and they are political. He's talking about things that are actually important. He's very very critical of the current government situation, which I think is good. You know, I wouldn't be able to claim him for the left, the center, or the right or anything. He's his own person, and he would have had to have said that himself specifically. It's clear he was a. A supporter, I think, more of the Democrats than the Republicans. But just the fact that he was so ready to use his voice to hold those who have been uh, put in positions of power accountable, right? He spoke a lot of truth to power. It's really wonderful to see how involved and engaged he was, because I think he truly wanted that better world, that Star Society that we've we've talked about. I think that that is another hallmark of Trek fans: is is we want to see something beautiful like like the world of Star Trek, where where people don't want for food, where people don't want for shelter, that those things are, are just pure human rights. And and the same thing with medical care, right? He was quite very, very critical of the medical situation in his own country or in, in the country you and uh, I, I guess a lot of our listeners are listening are listening from. The fact that he was quite critical of that and saw care for people as a human right, I think that's very, very important. And... He wanted the environment to be protected, and I think it's times like these that we start going, okay, he was holding up a, a huge part of the sky for us. We should, uh, we should be following suit here. This should be a, and now here is what we will do in his memory, and now here is what we will do to show that we were listening to him. And so there are some things I'm going to be doing. I've been getting uh, a little more organized with my community. Um, my my better half and I have been uh, donating a little bit more to the, the, the homeless shelter that's nearby that is critically past capacity at this point. And winter is coming where I am. It's coming fast. So. Think about that as well. I mean, Aaron was not shy with his politics, and I don't think any of us should be, especially when the politics that we have are, are ones pushing for empathy, for care, for the fact that we shouldn't be putting a price tag on people's lives. And if we live in a, in, a, in a society that is purely based on profit, what better person to give us a sober second thought on a society like that than Aaron Eisenberg himself?
2: Just to get this out of the way, what is your favorite nog episode? It has to be it's only Paper Moon, right? Oh, yeah, I mean,
1: uh, first of all, he and he and Jimmy Darren just just crush it. Like Paper Moon is is really good. I remember, I remember when I watched it, I had had gotten uh, this one's from the heart, which is uh, James Darren's kind of larger larger number. Uh, he had a lot of his larger numbers on that like sort of the big Vegas classics he was kind of doing covers and whatnot and his version of paper moon I was listening to it and yeah I mean I, I really got into that song knowing knowing that episode you know the song itself is romantic and cute and kind of reminds me of two people taking a stroll by the Bellagio but when you turn it into what James Darren and Aaron and the the writing team and the producing team of Deep Space Nine did for that song even right like th- that whole song has a completely different different uh, outlook to me the fact that um you know it really is sort of that where we retreat when everything is kind of crashing down around us who do we retreat to and where can we find solace and sometimes you know we have to retreat and i almost think that nog retreating into the holodeck is much like what i do when i've had a bad day i retreat into star trek and i, th- I know so many people who also do we don't talk about ptsd enough we, we don't as a society and the western society in mental illness post-traumatic stress disorder um feelings of the heart compassion right um kindness is too often mistaken for weakness and um and aaron was a perfect example and his characterization of nog was a perfect example of strength in grace of strength and empathy of strength and strength compassion and love. And, and knowing yourself, right? I think that was a really important thing. What about you? What's your What's your favorite Nog episode?
2: I don't know how anybody can not say it's only a paper moon, simply because it's just it's a powerful episode that very much in the wane of some of the other DS9 episodes that go away from the main story for a bit, just to tell this specific character story, like Far Beyond the Stars, like episodes like that, which don't have to do a whole lot with the actual war or the main plot. But they kind of have these specific character-focused stories on what happens in these big world-changing events to people and characters specifically. So it, it has to be for me. It's it's only a paper moon. Uh, but one thing I wanted to point out just about the show in general, not just to any particular episode. You know, rightfully so, Jake and Cisco's father-son relationship... Gets a lot of focus. But another one that I think is underrated and slept on very much is Nog and Roms. Because I'm not saying it's easier, but both Jake and Cisco are better off on the ship, even at the beginning of the show, than Nog and Roms are. Because they have Nog is under this abusive relationship from a family member that he cannot come to admit himself, and Nog is without direction. And the the way that this child finds a purpose and then inspires his father to stand up for himself and find purpose in his life, there is something so powerful about that. If Jake and Sisko's story is, the, is at its core the story of a loving father uh, who helps his son find independence and helps him find a place to grow and prosper the story if you think about it of nog and rom is switched with his actions nog inspires rom to get out from under the thumb of his brother and find his own life and dare to have this dream at a point in his life where most fathers would not take that chance and I think uh when you rewatch the the show you should definitely keep your eye out and as we get closer to the end of the series watch how nog with his actions the son changes the father and the father changes the son in Jake and Cisco. Yeah, you
1: nailed it there. The the dichotomy between both characterizations is definitely on purpose, I think, and and a good foil to one another in a lot of cases. You know, Nag really is absent from his father in a lot of cases, and Rom is very much in the shadow of his brother. And isn't it interesting that we get two world historical changing events through these two characters, right? First, you have the Dominion Federation War, where through that you get the first Ferengi officer, and he is tested with a baptism of fire, right? His earnestness and his almost naivety really is thrown sideways. It is in his fear that he is able to find his bravery. And that is so important. There's a saying, or there was a, in the First World War, there was a guy, uh, one of the last Canadian, one of the last Canadian soldiers who Um, survived the the First World War, it was sort of in the late 90s, early 2000s that he had his last interview, and he said, you know, if any man said that he wasn't afraid when he went over the top, he was a damn liar. And I think about that, you know, the the fact that in so many cases throughout history, we've had to face our fears, and sometimes we've had to take time to do that. Sometimes we've had to, to get help. Aaron Eisenberg, for his care and his calm, his compassion his wanting to help people his the ability that he was able to fight so hard when so much was against him he was truly a man because he embodied something greater than just macho toughness he he embodied what it meant to feel and i'm feeling right now
2: i hear you man and that was beautiful thank you for sharing that it was uh, the the character himself is so powerful right that you don't really st- separate the the character and the actor at once but when you think about nog's life and then the the equally tumultuous if not more the life of aaron eisenberg how can you not feel the way you feel right now it's and that's why there is such an impact today and that's why there's such a deep emptiness that everyone is feeling i i do think uh for what it's worth, we are lucky that we have a good amount of episodes of his podcast. His and yeah. Sarah Lofton's The Seventh Rule. Yeah. Uh, and not only do we have podcasts, uh, if you hunt around on YouTube a bit, you'll see that all of these are live streams. So he recorded them uh, through his video camera uh, or his webcam, whichever he was using for his uh, computer. So you'll see him. Not only do you get to see him. In Deep Space Nine, you get to see some of these episodes. There are also a lot of YouTube clips. Speaking of Heather Ferris, she has a channel in which she records and uploads all the panels, all the big panels anyway, from every STLV. Uh, there are these places that you can still go and explore some sides of him. He is, there are, there are videos of him on YouTube talking about his kidney disease and what he went through. And when you see those and then you think about the scene in it's only a paper moon when he has those tears in his eyes and is talking about his leg. You cannot help but imagine those are some of the things he was channeling while yeah, absolutely. acting that out. So there are, there are these avenues that you can still find parts of him for. And very quickly, I won't, I won't take too much time for the second story, but the second story I wanted to share, it, it's mostly shrouded in de- in, in details for good purpose, as you'll find out, but Again, STLV 2018, anybody who has been to Star Trek Las Vegas knows at the end of the day, you just have zero energy left. And I think it was around 8 or 8.30 p.m. when I just I was done. Anything I had in me humanly was just completely dried out. And I was doing that long walk from the Rio's convention center to the Gold Coast where I was staying. And I was by myself. I I was in this uniform that I was just completely sweating through, and it was just such a I w- I could not wait to get back home and just get out of those clothes. But I also was just so tired that I was walking slowly, and uh, I was I was walking out of those long halls with the casino sounds playing in the ear in the background, and then just right past me, <laughs> Aaron and his wife walk. And he's, he has the energy of a thousand suns. He's just really, I think he was going out with his lady and they would, they just had plans and he he stops and makes fun of the fact that I'm really tired. (laughs) (laughs) And I tell him, yeah, I mean, you know how it feels in this uniform. And he's like, you don't have to tell me I had uniform and makeup on. Yeah, uh, and it, he just cracks these these couple of jokes and he was also actually walking right out of that that gold coast door the one that he walked through by that chinese restaurant buffet whatever and yeah. i had about like a good minute minute and a half where i got to tell him thank you for nog how much he means to me how much he means to me as like an indian who got to come to america and how much uh It meant that there was a story of someone who came from this seemingly primitive culture and then had this dream to become something greater than what he was expected to be. And he thanked me. And again, he made a couple of jokes because that was just his personality. He loved making jokes from the few conversations. I, Like the two or three conversations I had with him, it was just he always wanted to make a joke. And he was cracking me up. He was cracking his wife up. It was just it, it was such a pleasant time and i'm I'm glad I got to have those short uh yet pleasurable moments with him.
1: those are beautiful, absolutely beautiful, and I think his his happiness and his candor just show how much uh you know a positive mind can can really shed its light on everybody and I think you know, I, I don't know. I'm I'm sad, but I, I guess like to maybe put it in a better sense. Maybe I'm I'm less sad and and more just really proud that that we can count him among the Trek family. That that we can count him among so many other beautiful bright stars both who are on and off the screen helping to produce the show, but then also all the wonderful podcasters I know of, all the wonderful YouTubers I know of, and just the the, the average people who who spend very hard earned money to go to this this convention in the desert or to other conventions around the world or even just to, you know, get collectibles or whatever. He really does represent the the bigger and broader and better things about Star Trek, right? He He really was Starfleet, like he really, really was Starfleet. Um, protecting people, caring for, for people fighting the good fight and knowing, knowing you're fighting that good fight. Um, yeah. Another little bit, if you, if, if you, you know, Shashank, you've given a wonderful menu of, of ways to continue engaging with Aaron's work. Another one is, uh, if you find yourself back, uh, doing uh, Star Trek online, he is the guy you meet in the tutorials. So if any of you are, you know, miles away from ever needing a tutorial, maybe take it again, meet him, meet him one more time. That would be pretty cool.
2: I believe he was working on a movie. I don't know if parts of that exist, and maybe it'll come out at some point. Another interesting rabbit hole you can go down if you want to get more of Aaron Eisenberg is just type hashtag Captain Nog. Yeah. (laughs) T-A-I-N-N-O-G. Because he was notorious. Like you said, he was active on social media. And any chance he would get, if he ever saw anyone saying anything about a spinoff, he would get his Captain Nog in there, and there yeah. is a there is again a hilarious YouTube video about how uh, he's talking to Sci-Fi the channel, and he's he's telling why it should actually be Deep Space Nog and not Deep Space Nine. <laughs> uh, so just so so much more to discover. He's he's gone, but definitely not forgotten.
1: We will have a wake in the honor of Mr. Eisenberg to all of our absent friends who have left and and have gone gone to the other side they uh they are a fine crew on that side and they have just added a amazing person to their ranks so i hope they put nog to work on that other side and from politrex to mr aaron eisenberg's family and close friends you have our deepest condolences know that uh, everyone here on Paula and I can probably speak for the Trek Geeks network in saying that uh, our hearts go out to you all. I feel I've said my piece. What do you say, Shashank?
2: Sure. Just before we do that, because I really want to listen to what our listeners have to say for this episode, what they think some of their favorite Nog moments are. Again, to answer your question, what they're doing to, to come to action with this, but also just share their Aaron Eisenberg stories, their pictures, Anything you want to show us, please uh, tweet them at us too, at Polytrex. We'll definitely look at them. I will look at them. I will just enjoy and celebrate the fact that we got this wonderful person, this uh, this, this shining light in, in Star Trek. And I'll just, I will shout you out and I will celebrate with you. So please tweet on those things to us at, at Polytrex. You can also tweet them to me personally if you want to on at gutter underscore hero. And Barry, if people want to tweet them just to you to be a jerk to me, where can they find you? (laughs) You can find me at B-J-O-R-N-D-E-F-J-O-R-D. Thank you for uh, doing this episode with me. I I hope we don't have to do another one of these for a long, 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 long time to come.
1: I agree, but um, when they come, the best part about it is we have a family and we are a wonderful group of people who I think maybe carry a little more weight than we imagine. and um, yeah, I, I will be interested to see what people are doing um, and and you know in the name of in the name of Nog in the name of of Aaron, in the name of Star Trek, in the name of humanity, whatever you want to call it, um, just uh, just be kind to each other this week, everyone. let's let's have a good one. So with that, we'll bid you farewell and uh, live long and prosper.
2: And we'll see you at the Divine Treasury Nod.